0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I am Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, nestled right near Philadelphia in the great county of Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Uh, Today, I feel, is a great day. Uh, I just listened to President uh, Joe Biden, who I'm very happy one, talk about getting more and more vaccinations in people's arms, signing the American Rescue Act, and um, hopefully getting things back to normal. For a very good summer and fall. But everyone knows about the president. They don't know about offices like mine on borough council or city council all across the country. Today I'm excited to talk to my newest friend from Texas. Her name is Yannicka Parrish and she is running for council in Round Rock, Texas. I've never been there. I don't know much about Round Rock. Thankfully she can tell me and she can tell me a little bit about why she's running as well and maybe encourage you to think about running wherever you live in this great country of ours. So Yannicka, Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for t- joining me today.
1: Thank you very much for having me on. I'm excited.
0: Great. Well, let's see how that excitement works out. <laughs> uh, so um, we've—I I don't know much about you or Round Rock. We've. This is our first time chatting. I know you have a nice piano in the background, but um, w- tell me, have you always been politically minded, or did something like spur you on at some point?
1: So I've always been politically minded. Uh, I have a master's degree in international politics, so politics is my is my bread and butter. And Mm -hmm. thinking about how to use politics to help people, that's where I am. Um, My day job is that I'm a program manager at Apple, but I also am an activist here in Austin uh, and in the Austin area, where I work uh, where I work for tenants' rights, for LGBTQ rights, and racial equity. Um, So for me the transition from that activism into an actual political office it's a logical one um i didn't really get spurred on or see political office as something i could do until july of last year and in july of last year there was sort of a cosmic shift here in round rock where we've always traditionally had a republican um, city uh, republican city council but because of the pandemic our city council voted essentially to cancel our 2020 elections which was Not fantastic. Mm. And one thing that sort of made that clear that that was a turning point was the absolute uproar that they got and the sense that, okay, we do need a change. This, more than anything else, is an impetus for change. People who would vote against the democratic process in their own city, that's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was the moment where I realized yes. I can do this. Me and my activist background, I have a long and illustrious history of listening to people, of advocating for people, of advocating for people's rights. We need somebody who could stand up for rights in city council. And so I reached out and said, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And here I am.
0: So, uh, so you said you have a master's in international politics um, that a lot of people, I, I find... Um, you know, they care about either the local things or they care about the big picture. Like I said, people, everyone knows who the president is, but they can't even name their senator, much less their council member sometimes. Um, though I find that once you're in council, a lot of people do know you. Um, you know, did you see this as as a local thing as something that was very important to you? Did you? Is it just, you know, what made it so important to you, the local stuff?
1: So one other thing that I do is I talk I talk to a lot of people in my community. Mm-hmm. That I, once again, as an activist, it's part of my bread and butter. I, I talk to people and understand their issues. And the things that they talk about, the problems that they're having, are things that we can solve on a local level. Uh, things like needing a public transit system that actually works, um, needing better access to social services that's equitable and doesn't exclude people based on their sexual orientation or gender identity. These are things that that are controlled by the city governments. So we can talk about changing things on a federal level or even on a state level, but that doesn't change how our individual cities work. And the fact that whether you live where I live or five miles south in the city of Austin, it makes a big difference in the experience you have in getting help you need when you need it. For my part, I see local government as one of the biggest things we can change and one of the biggest places where we can make a difference in getting people what they need and getting that equality of service.
0: And you mentioned about some of the things that happened in 2020 in Round Rock. But again, Texas is huge, as you know, and they're welcome. people in Texas are happy to tell you Um but what is the politics and the government like there? Is it something where, because because I, t- I talk to some people, they're like, you know, I'm glad to be the Democrat running because the Democrats here are so cool. And then other people say, well, someone had to run. What's, what's, what are things like in Round Rock on, on a government level?
1: So that's actually a really fascinating thing about Round Rock. Um, For context, we are in central Texas. So we're one of the biggest suburbs of Austin. We're a mm-hmm. city of about 140,000, biggest city in our county. Um, and our county is currently purple. It mm-hmm. flip flops from city to city, whether it's uh, Republican or Democrat voting. In 2020, Round Rock actually voted more Democratic than Republican. And so I mentioned earlier that our city council has traditionally been just Republicans, but we've actually been flipping those seats. Um, one of the, one of the, uh, long-standing city council members was actually unseated in the in the 2020 elections that we actually did get to have because of activism and because of citizen activism, um, and so Round Rock is currently in that period of transition where we are changing from red to blue, but it's a painful transition and mm-hmm. it's one that we are fighting very very hard to see become a reality. One thing I've noticed as a candidate is that the existing power structures very much still favor the Republicans. So even though the voters are are increasingly majority Democratic, the power structures are all very much in favor of whoever's currently in power. So it's things like where you can put signs and, what, and how big your signs can be. Mm-hmm. These sorts of rules that dictate, that, that are very difficult to navigate unless you have that pre-existing knowledge, unless you have that pre-existing structure. For me, navigating this structure has been one of the most complicated parts of this um, and trying to figure out what I can and cannot do as a candidate and figuring out where uh, what what I actually can do uh, within the rules set by the city
0: yeah and I've talked with a few people obviously in the podcast um, at the different levels and one of the things I've heard is people don't know the first step or the second step or even the third step so as someone and, and a you don't know what you don't know until you know it sometimes. So if once you decide you wanted to run, like are there's you said we. Are there people there that are helpful that are, you know, helping you navigate and making this happen?
1: Yes, definitely. That's another thing that's really fantastic about where Round Rock is right now. We actually um so I, I think you've guessed by now I'm running as a Democrat. Um Well you
0: better be because otherwise I'd be really upset.
1: <laughs> yes, no, I, I, I figured I'd, uh, I'd alluded to it enough times, but yes, I'm, a, I'm running as a Democrat. And one thing that Round Rock is doing right now is we have a Democratic club that's fairly new and is absolutely, it's growing really, really rapidly, both in terms of its resources and in terms of its skill sets. Like we have, a, we have a really skilled and fantastic group of people. Um, and so we're building that infrastructure to be able to run these campaigns, but it's also we're building this while we're in progress. So mm-hmm. it's very much putting putting the train together while we're barreling down the tracks. And it's something that, that in a Republican-dominated area, they already have their train, and it's mm-hmm. big and sleek and shiny. We're going to get our train to the station, though.
0: Well, to give you maybe a little bit of a hopeful example, we had similar in, Bridge- in my town of Bridgeport. When I ran, we were the first time we flipped the council to Democratic. But even so, like, the person who was council president was a Democrat, but just she was friends with everybody. And I like her. She's a good person. Um, But then my friend, Kyle Shank, who you can find on the very first episode of this podcast, our council president, he um, helped me create a club, like you said. And now there's a bunch of people who had never been involved before. And now those people who'd never been involved before are also on council. Um, I do find, so are the people you're getting, they're not just like the entrenched people from before, it's a lot of new voices, right?
1: Correct, yes. And one thing about Round Rock, too, is uh, we have a lot of people moving into the area. Our population's been exploding. Mm-hmm. And so that also brings a ton of young people into the area. Our Round Rock Democrats Club is a lot of young people, too, yeah, which is really fantastic, mm-hmm. because it essentially builds that base for moving forward.
0: It sounds a lot like Bridgeport. It's really exciting, <laughs> um, but one thing I'm sure that is different is that Round Rock itself um, is probably a different place than Bridgeport. Like, what what are the kinds of people and like you, there's younger people, like you said. What are the kinds of um, you know jobs and things that people do in Round Rock that make it interesting?
1: So once again, because we're really close to Austin, we have a lot of tech jobs here. Mm-hmm. Um, so recently, we uh, brought in some uh, infrastructure from Amazon, infrastructure from Tesla. We have a new um, Department of Defense factory coming in that's building, I'm um, not entirely clear on what it's building, but defensive stuff. Space lasers. Um, we're also the headquarters <laughs> of Dell, so we have a ton of tech jobs here. Mm-hmm. We also have more of the small businesses and that's sort of bread and butter of a town. Mm-hmm. And we also are increasing our um, sports infrastructure, so like stadiums. We have the uh, I, think, I believe it's the country's largest indoor water park as well. So we have a pretty wide variety of things, but all of it is, it's growing and it's new too. Mm
0: -hmm. And so Round Rock sounds a lot like what you're hearing on these national trends of suburbs trending away from Republicans, a place that maybe eight years ago would have voted for Mitt Romney, I don't know, but now would vote for a Democrat. Do you see, do you think that suburban trend is happening in your town?
1: Very much so, yes. And I'll grant you that 2020 was a little bit of a special year because people were so fired up and ready to go vote. But I also do think it's indicative of a greater trend in Round Rock, where we are becoming more more liberal and more democratic. And we are seeing that the conservative and traditionally Republican City Council actually isn't necessarily representing the interests of everybody in the city. And People are getting more and more fired up. We see that in our, in our voter turnout, too, that every year more and more people come out to vote for city council, mm-hmm. which is really fantastic, and I'm really glad to see it.
0: It is hard to, at least it has been in the past, to get people to go from caring for a presidential race to caring for local stuff. I, when I ran for the first time in my primary... I got eleven votes in the primary. And granted, I don't have as big of a thing as you, but it was—it was kind of demoralizing. It was a year after a presidential year, um, just like yours is a year after a presidential year. But now it seems a lot more active here. Um, do you see? Do you think that it's a little bit easier than maybe in the past to not just energize people but keep people motivated and interested? Yes, I think so. And
1: I'll grant you that part of that—it's one of the big unknowns. When I was calculating my win number, I was looking mm-hmm. at that and going, okay, well, I see the 2020 behavior and I see the 2019 behavior, but how much of that energy is going to carry over into 2021? For my part, I I think that a fair amount of that energy will, get, uh, will carry over. I think that we will see a much higher turnout than we usually see for our municipal May elections. And I know for my part, I'm also doing my best to stoke that enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. I'm very much putting myself out there and saying, hey, this is me. And is what I want to do, and here's why it benefits you. So I'm really optimistic and hopeful.
0: Yeah, I'm feeling really optimistic and hopeful too. <laughs> I, I, I seriously, I, it's I used to be like a year ago, even I was like very negative, and today it's just seems like there's a lot of reason to hope. There's news, of course, from some of your people in Texas, the, the governor and some senators who seem to th- believe things are too good to be true, and maybe. <laughs> disbelieving reality in some ways. Do you find that there is a pushback from some of those moderate suburban people in your town to that kind of governing, or governing in quotation marks?
1: So I know that on a state level, uh, even moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans in Round Rock are not terribly pleased with the governor right Mm -hmm. now, because uh, the governor and Ted Cruz, um, Ted Cruz especially, um, because they just seem to be in in their own worlds um but that said city council is a, is a little bit different so i think that so some of the moderate some of the moderate democrats do think things are okay but that's one thing that i'm sort of pointing out as well is saying okay but we can do better mm-hmm. things like a public transit system help alleviate what you're worried about as much as they help um, as much as they help the less well off members of our of our society this is something that benefits everybody
0: yeah I, I I saw from your profile, your website, from your social media and your your podcast, I think, with the lesbians <laughs> a few days ago <laughs> um, and uh, which i if, if you go and follow um, Janica, you can find out about this other podcast she's done um, that you are interested in uh, public transportation and climate issues as one council member what what do you think you could do? especially in a state like Texas where maybe I don't know how you get the money for it. Um, Though now with other things, maybe it's possible. What would be your advocacy to get that done and what kinds of things need to happen?
1: So one thing, one thing to keep in mind is that if, both I and my co-runner win our races. Round Rock's in a really unique position because if both of us win, we flip the city council blue. Mm-hmm. And I know for my part, the other Democratic uh, council members have long been advocating for a public transit system and for some of these more sustainable um, development and infrastructure practices that I talk about on my website. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of getting the city council to take action, it's a lot easier when we have a Democratic majority in city council. Beyond that, As an individual city council member, there's a fair amount I can do. So one of the things I talk about on my website is solar panels and helping provide incentives for um, homeowners to install solar panels and electric car chargers to build that infrastructure to reduce our reliance on fossil fuels and on the existing faulty power grid. Mm that's one thing that an individual city council member can talk to and start working with the local power companies to help develop those sorts of incentives and those sorts of rebates as well it's something that our existing city council members do with other projects as well but for my part that's really one thing that I want to work on I think that if we if we build these partnerships with our power companies there's a lot more we can do
0: and it sounds like you might want to build partnerships beyond the power companies right like I imagine right yes. now after the the issues with the power outages and the cold in Texas, that one, doing something like that was probably more popular than it would have been at some other point, right?
1: Very much so, yes. there's a There's been a sudden upswell in solar requests. I, I can't imagine why.
0: Yeah, and, and and two, like you said, there's a lot of tech places around there. In, in addition to power companies, I'm sure that there are a lot of major companies that maybe are, you might have some access to to try and incentivize them to to help with such a matter.
1: Most definitely, yes. And I know, for my part, uh, my employer is Apple. Uh, they aren't in Round Rock proper; they're just a couple minutes south of Round Rock. Oh, um,
0: right. well, in that case. <laughs> yes,
1: but it's still the sort of thing that, um, with that insight, I know a lot about how corporations approach these sorts of um, issues. And I think that I agree. There's a lot of room to work with a company like Dell or the or, or the Kalahari and be able to get these more sustainable practices in place.
0: Yeah, um, and so. Right now, there are a lot of um, there's a lot of small towns and mayors and councils who are talking about climate issues. Um, from looking at your profile, what you've done, it seems like a top issue for you. Um, is that something that's resonating even beyond just the recent issues in Texas?
1: So, yes, and that goes back to the idea that something that works for one group of people tends to work for a lot of, mm-hmm. of people, for a lot of people. So another part of my platform is social equity. I want to make sure that everybody has the, has a fair shot uh, in Round Rock. and climate change and focusing on climate justice is a way to help ensure that social equity. So one thing that I talk about is microgrids and basically hmm. helping make making sure that we have. uh, that we have uh, renewable power for places like apartment complexes and low-income communities that not only helps them keep power and keep sustainable power, but also helps lower their electricity bills, which lowers their cost of living and makes it more affordable to live in Round Rock. So a lot of these things, they're interconnected, and they're things that we can do to benefit everybody.
0: Yeah, I'm finding as a council member in a smaller town that a lot of these grid or infrastructure issues, people don't realize that they're very old a lot of the time. Um, is, are, are the infrastructure things in Round Rock, um, especially with the kind of industries there, do you find that it may be older systems or is it you know a little bit newer and easier to upgrade?
1: so it depends on the system that you're looking at so for instance our water treatment plant is absolutely fantastic state-of-the-art um tell (laughs) us yeah yeah no it's really good um we're actually one of the only cities in in the area that did not lose water during the recent storm so Mm -hmm. our city did pretty well with that um but there are other areas of our infrastructure that are really outdated Mm -hmm. like uh like i-35 i-35 is one of the big interstates it just goes straight through round rock and it is basically impossible to navigate throughout most of the day because the traffic is just is just abysmal. So in terms of some of our infrastructure, yes, it's top-notch. But in terms of others, we have a lot of work to do, and I think we can get that done.
0: You know, you mentioned about the traffic issues. One of the things we're working on in Bridgeport um, is, you know, bringing in, There's there's such a big need for housing. And the housing costs are actually going up a lot, and trying to manage that and how we do it because we're, we're we're a smaller place than geographically even than you are. Um, but I'm really interested in, in seeing how we can build housing that is maybe not encouraging multi-car places, making it so that we're incentivizing people to use the train system here, buses, etc. Um, do you think that that kind of thing is feasible where you are, where people, obviously you want public transportation, but you know, is that something that's 20 years down the line or do you think you could be encouraging that sooner?
1: So that's actually part of my platform as well is I'm looking at mixed use, at uh, mixed use zoning, which mm-hmm. is where you combine um, commercial and residential real estate. And we actually already have some of that, um, some of that in Round Rock, mm-hmm. uh, the particular development I'm thinking of is La Frontera, um which is it it's a giant apartment complex that has those attached shops. And that's a way to try and get people off the streets because those things are already right there and available for you. It also allows people to work, to live closer to where they work and it provides a little bit uh, more flexibility in where you get in when and where you have to travel in addition i think we can look at other ways of doing this so another part of what i'd really like to do is establish more bike paths and better and better trail infrastructure so that not only do we not have cars on the road but we have those alternate pathways that are healthier for people and greener for the city as a whole
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i imagine that you know you working at apple i don't know exactly what your day is like but um a person like you maybe not need to go into an office during a pandemic right like because Correct. Do you see that there is a maybe a shift in thinking about what people do with their work and lives as they've gone through this pandemic experience over the about last 12 months or so?
1: Definitely, yes. I think we have had a better realization of who we are and what we value. Um, mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people have been moving to Round Rock because it's, it's more affordable than Austin, but it's also sort of thinking about, okay, what where do we want to go for my part i do want to continue advocating for this mixed-use zoning and that sort of more affordable housing because it allows us to not have to travel as far but i also do recognize that this remote uh, this remote work it's been really good for our traffic infrastructure too
0: mm-hmm. yeah i've met, talked with a few people during this pandemic including uh, mayor shelby rockstad from um, idaho and uh, alex fish mayor of culver city just recently. Uh, Culver City, California, and, and saying that um, the pandemics really kind of changed people's expectations for where they need to live. And and not only that, but climate change has changed the people's expectations of where to live. Um, you know, you, you've you made it a big priority personally. I, as a parent myself, um, it's very important to me for my kids' future. Um, do you see that Round Rock is a sustainable place, you know, as some of those climate issues come up?
1: I see that it has the potential for it. Oh, so we have some of the infrastructure in place and some of the groundwork already built. So, for instance, our I talked about our water treatment facility mm-hmm. and I talked about our, our water department. They have a program in place where we do water reuse. So instead of drawing more and more water, we can reuse some of the water we've already used, but we, that we've already drawn, and that helps save that water for the future. Here in central Texas, water is going to be a huge issue, especially as our cities continue to grow. So knowing that we have that infrastructure is really helpful, but there's more we can do. There's a lot more we can do to incentivize using reused water. There's a lot more we can do to incentivize um, green landscaping, so um, having that uh, climate-friendly landscaping. And there's more we can do to promote solar and build an electric car infrastructure that actually facilitates, that actually facilitates uh, buying the electric cars and using the electric cars that are in this area.
0: It's interesting too when you look again like at your senators who seem to have their head stuck in the sand and, and, you know it's not like Texas is Texas has a monopoly on bad senators and bad like we have them in <laughs> Pennsylvania too well just one Senator Casey used on my podcast is fantastic and Senator Toomey less so um, but um, I see local government as having a chance to lead on these things in a place where a lot of Bigger politicians at the the higher national profile are often spending more of their time on um, communications and messaging and, you know, getting on cable news than about governing. Um, Do you see these local solutions as a way to both take ideas from elsewhere and maybe be a leader for other towns and cities of equal size?
1: Very much so. And that's also one thing that I'm really hoping we can do with this race is like I said, Round Rock is the biggest city in this is the biggest city in this county. And if we can set an example as the biggest city and say, Hey, we want to partner with you to make these green solutions work, we want to partner with you on on all of these quality solutions, it can set that it can set that tone for the county and it mm-hmm. can set that tone for what other cities can do too. Personally, I see Round Rock as a leader in the county, and I look forward to the opportunity to using that leadership to further equity and to further equality in, in Williamson County.
0: So is it a two-year term or four-year term or six-year term?
1: It is a three-year term.
0: Three-year term. Okay, I didn't mention that. <laughs> it seems so weird to have three-year terms. I don't know anything else. But, um, <laughs> so let's say you get elected and you have uh, three years in office and you flip the, the council like you hope to do. After three years, if you were able to look back, what would what would be a sign to you that you had a successful first term?
1: So one of the things that I really want to accomplish that seems doable within three years is I'd like to establish an equity commission to mm-hmm. make sure that, Round Rock, that solutions Round Rock undertakes are fair and equal for everybody in our city. That's something that we absolutely can do within three years, especially with a Democratic majority. I think if I get to the end of three years and look back and say, where's and have that commission in place it's something that i would be really really proud of and really proud that i accomplished that as well
0: yeah you know i'm pausing thinking not just of what to ask but just thinking about how we could do that on any (laughs) local level because equity means a lot of things to people and i think it's something that unfortunately is getting a lot of pushback from the right that, that kind of language but You know, if we did that in our county and had that kind of thing, you can be talking about not just black and white or gay and lesbian, but, you know, poor poor towns and and richer towns.
1: Exactly. Yes. And that's part of what that's part of why I think we need it here. With the growth that we're experiencing, our long term residents, our our elderly residents are getting priced out of their homes. And I think there's a lot more we ought to be doing to help make sure that they can keep their homes and that they can stay in the city that they've lived in for their whole lives. And that equity commission would do a lot to help make sure that our policies are beneficial to everybody and don't leave somebody in a lurch.
0: Yeah, it's a a hard-needled thread, but it's an important one to at least try. Yes.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So, Yannicka, you have a strong campaign going. Um, First, if people are interested in following what you're doing and learning more and even participating, where should they go to follow you and to get involved and learn more?
1: So they should definitely check out my website at and mm-hmm. um, That's where you can sign up for my newsletter. It has links to donate. Um, it will also have events that, will, that we're doing as well. My Facebook page has, the, um, has a, a feed of which events we're doing. Um, and if you sign up for the newsletter, that's also where we post our volunteer events. If you want to write postcards or if you're in the area and want to help us do leaflets or if you're not in the area and want to help with text banking or phone banking or anything like that, Signing up for the newsletter is a great way to do that.
0: And uh, if you click on the link for this podcast, you should be able to find those links to your website and and to Twitter. So uh, make sure that I have those involved. And hopefully people, if they're listening, they're going to see that there's solutions that they can create on a local level as well. There are 500,000 elected offices in this country, and most of them are for things like this, council level, um, and they can affect a big change. You seem like a very positive person. What would you recommend? Um, Would you encourage more people to run for office?
1: Absolutely, I would. Um, So, as I said, in my my city, we've had a dominant power structure for a very long time, and part of that was because nobody wanted to challenge it. Nobody felt up to the challenge for doing it. And so that sort of validates the pathway that our existing power structure was on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's never a good thing for democracy. Our, our elected leaders should be, should be challenged, and they should have somebody saying, hey, actually, I have this idea over here. Running for something, it shows that, okay, there is potentially another way to do this. There's another voice in this, in this arena. There's another way to look at this. So I absolutely would encourage people. And for me personally, it's also been really, really fulfilling to do. I've met a ton of people, and even just as a candidate, I've already been able to help people in ways that I've not been able to help before. Mm-hmm. As an example, um, we lost we, we lost power, and we had our big winter storm in Texas, and um, some people's pipes burst. And in one apartment complex, basically the entire complex, their pipes burst, and the entire complex was, out, was without water. Even as a candidate, I've been able to go in, help people by delivering water, help people by delivering food, and being their advocate and making sure that they get the repairs and the and the hotels that they need so that they don't they don't end up stuck in unlivable apartments. And that's something that's incredibly fulfilling to do, and it's something I look forward to continuing to do as a city council member as well.
0: Look, I don't want to take away from that positivity, but um, I had some people pushing back on me when I got really ticked off seeing Ted Cruz go to Cancun. And they said like someone even took from like what some other jerk face and pardon me for it said about like uh, like, oh, as a senator, what can he do? It's other people that do it. Like clearly when you have an issue, there are things that anyone in elected office can do. Right. Like that you see this not as just like I'm going to put this on my resume and think it's really cool to be a council member of Yannicka. Jan- right. Like there are things that you know that at every level of government you have almost a moral responsibility to do some basic things.
1: Exactly, yes. When they say that he's a senator, what can he possibly do? It, it shows a failure of imagination on his part, yeah. and it shows a failure of understanding what the responsibilities of his office actually are. And for me, I'm really, as I said, I come at this from an activist background as well, I'm very excited to put the things I know about advocacy and activism and, and standing up for people's rights into action. This most recent winter storm provided the it provided the great backdrop to do that and to illustrate that even with what I've learned as a candidate so far, even with the connections I've made as a candidate so far, I was able to make a difference in their lives.
0: Well, I hope that everyone who's listening is, is inspired by Yannick as I am. And Yannick, I'm really glad that you reached out to me to tell me about your story. Um, and hopefully, people will listen to this and be encouraged to be a leader wherever they are. Um, do you have any final words before I tell people the final lesson here?
1: The main final words I can think to say are don't don't be afraid. Go for it. Fo- follow that dream and run for office because you learn a lot and you get to be a voice in your city and or whichever office you choose to run for. It. And it's a really good thing to do.
0: I agree. I encourage everyone to follow Yannicka Parrish. She is a candidate for council in Around Rock, Texas. And um, in a few years, she's going to be a candidate for U.S. Senate, and we're all going to be donating to her um, and knocking doors, making phone calls for her. So, Yannicka, thanks so much, and really, honestly, best of luck to you um, in Texas, not just this year, but hopefully in your years of governing as well.
1: Thank you very, very much, and thank you again for having me on. I, I really enjoyed it.